So, episode 19. Hope you all had a good Christmas. Uh, it was a little bit low-key for us this Christmas, but uh, it was good. It was a good Christmas. Um, sort of, uh, don't want to get too heavy in my story today because uh, of the new year coming up. Sort of want to share a little bit of, of a story maybe two stories about uh, growing up as a teenager here in uh, in British Columbia, Vancouver Island. Well, the first part of my teenage life, I wasn't, in my preteen life, I wasn't what you would call socially integrated to the peer group that would be my my uh, same age group, you know. Um, with I, I spent most of my time with people older than me, so, uh, and then I mean, if you've listened to the other uh, podcasts that I put out, I, at 13, had a, I call it supernatural, but it was also drug-induced. Uh, it, the initial part of it was drug-induced. But a supernatural experience that came out of that uh, use of hallucinogens. And... Uh, so I became a, a Christian after that, became part of the Jesus Freak movement that was quite popular in the late 60s and the early to mid-70s. And a popular, that's not really the right word. It was a movement that happened uh, for a few years. Uh, the Christian community that was open to it called it uh, revival. So for those familiar with the word, it's a, it's a word that's mocked quite a bit by the uh, unbelievers or non-believers. Um, but there are some historical accounts of what the Christian community calls revival. So, and I mean, they go for the last 2,000 years. They come and they go. They come and they go. There's been a number of revivals on American soil, and they usually spread across the Atlantic and into England and and Europe. So that was a revival that took place in the in the in the sixties and seventies. And I got caught up into it. As a young person, you know, I didn't have uh after I left the organization that I had been with, I didn't have a lot of I'm not sure how to say it, directed teaching. Um I had a few people that became like mentors to me, but I didn't see them regularly. I would see them every few weeks, uh, possibly. Uh, sometimes it would be months before I would see somebody. And uh, I was left to my own devices to try and understand this uh, faith that I had, uh, you know, that I'd become part of. It, it was a difficult time, but it was also an interesting time because I had been out of school for a couple of years the um, actual practice of learning, like studying and learning, uh, what had escaped me. Uh, I wasn't doing that for, for two years. I didn't do that. And then to be thrust back into this reality of needing to learn, to study, to learn... It was a it was a uh, shock to my system. Maybe I don't know. It was different. You know, it was it was hard. It was hard for me. I had to learn to learn. A lot of the stuff that I learned was uh, what I what is commonly called the school of hard knocks, and that you know part partly might be a play on my name, but 
it, that's what it is, the school of hard knocks. So living and learning through experience. And most of us, actually, the deeper lessons that we learn in our lives are the lessons we learn through experience. The story I, I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, there's a few things that I'm thinking that have been happening just for me in the last couple of weeks. Like I've already said, I read uh, a lot. I read regularly. I read the Bible daily. There's rarely a day when I don't read the Bible some. But I have other books I'm reading too, books on philosophy, theology, sociology. I'm trying to understand history, trying to understand the culture we live in, and not only the culture we live in, but the world we live in, and how we got here, how we got to where we are. It's important to me. Uh, I think it should be important to everybody. And uh, it's it's uh, it's part of understanding reality. And uh, what I'm going to say is a word, truth. It's part of understanding truth. So if you want to know what's true, you need to commit yourself to uh, studying. You need to commit yourself to research, which is, <laughs> I mean, now that word is also blacklisted. It, 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 but in reality, if you're not researching it yourself, anything, every single thing, if you're not researching it yourself, if you're not investigating, then you open yourself up to become um, just another one of the followers, just another obedient automaton. Um, and the, the thing is, is, for me, is as I got back into the school system, this was in, in seventh grade in, uh, 71, the, the methods were changing then. Things were being thrown out that had been, uh, historical learning tools and methods, uh, um, now the way of learning at that point was changing to a more, um, I'm going to call it progressive way of teaching. The problem is, is as that progressive way progressed, we got to the place now where there was a time when our schools taught our children uh, reading and writing and arithmetic. But not only that, we learned Latin and, and Greek and we learned world history and, uh, and the Bible you know, uh, which is a historical, uh, book, like any, any, anybody that's involved in archeology span historically uses the Bible as a reference point for just a ton of, of stuff. And it's, it's a recognized historical document. Um, it's more than, I've said this before too, it's more than just a book. It's, it's, uh, it's 66 books that are all, some of them, those are letters, and it's written by 40 different authors, and it's, it runs, there's a thread that runs through it. Now, the story I'm going to tell um, involves somebody that's quite close to me now, and was, at this time, I think it was between my 14th and 15th birthday. One of my first friends that I made um, lived in my neighborhood, and she... Um, I've been reading the Bible and trying to get to this place of, of being honest and truthful and and realizing the difficulty that in the world we lived in then, and it's even probably, it is even more difficult now. It's a difficult thing to be honest and, and truthful um, all the time. Uh, I was determined to, to do that. I was determined to be as honest as I could. So um, 
this individual who is asked not to be named. Um, so anyway, this person um, was was given a new coat by her parents, and uh, she got to pick it out. She loved it, and uh, it was an important thing to her. Like, and sort of being socially, I, I, I could say stunted, I was socially different, uh, perhaps. Well, I still am. I gotta say, I still am, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, <clears throat> I've, I maybe I've learned to be more fluid in and out of being different and, and at least seeming normal. <laughs> but, um, anyway, she came up to me and she asked me, so I'm, what, 14 years old, going on 15, I think. And she asked me, um, I might have been 13 going on 14, but I think it was 14 going on 15. She asked me, what I thought of her coat. Do you like my coat? And I said, do you want the truth? And she said, yeah. And so I told her I didn't care for it. I didn't like the colors. I didn't like the fake fur. I didn't, you know, whatever. I didn't particularly like it. Now, I'm a hippie kid and I'm used to wearing cotton and natural fibers and you know, so I was different in that regard. All my jeans were old jeans that were patched up, which became fashionable, but I actually patched them. I actually put the beadwork on them myself. I actually put the patches on them. I, I was different in that regard. The things that I, I still am, really. I, I really still just like natural fibers. And Anyway, that hurt her feelings. So it hurt her and... Uh, I, 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 in my memory, I knew immediately that I probably shouldn't have said that. I should have, I guess you could call it lie, but I should have uh, been more diplomatic in, in the way that I, I said it. As a result of that, she managed to corral or to get the other girls in the neighborhood. So there's one, two, three, four girls in our neighborhood, in our little neighborhood in Dashwood. Um, one, two, three, four. There was five that were part of our group. There were others. There was Diane Woodward, who we didn't hang out with. Hung out with her brother, Dave. And when, when it came to my birthday, which must have been near close to that, because I don't think they were hating on me for months. You know, it was a couple of weeks. Uh, my birthday's in March, so it must have been February or something when she got her coat, and in middle of March is my birthday, and the, these girls were determined to make sure that I had no company on my birthday, so that was my punishment. I don't remember, I remember thinking, oh, that's, obviously I've pushed some buttons here, um, <laughs> so, uh, so, I mean, it changed, it worked to change my perspective, and the way that I relate, although I, I've got myself in trouble still since then. I'm the kind of person that actually enjoys being alone, and I always have for, for a very long time. And I think a lot of that has to do with my experiences and uh, my way of dealing with uh, depression, um, which was, I've said that before too, was part of my, uh, my reality, right? So. Um, but after that, um, I was told that that was my punishment for being so honest. <laughs> so, um, live and learn, right? 
Live and learn. So why am I talking about that right before New Year's, right before we start another year? Well, the thing is, is I've been thinking a lot about about truth, right? And uh, like, I saw this meme. Uh, it wasn't sent to me directly, though I have had stuff like this sent to me before. But it was a meme. It was a picture of uh, or a representation of uh, Muhammad. And it said, uh, Muhammad wasn't a Muslim. And then a picture of Jesus. And it said, Jesus wasn't a Christian. And then a picture of uh, Buddha. And, and it said, Buddha wasn't a Buddhist. And then below that, it said, they were all just teachers teaching love. I know that the culture we live in um, embraces that idea of uh, coexist. You know, you've seen those bumper stickers. So it's coexist and there's the symbols of all different religions, <clears throat> belief systems. But any honest person, any person with any intellectual honesty and actually spiritual honesty and emotional honesty would be able to look at that and go, that's impossible. Uh, I mean, we can coexist, but we're not the same. Like th those three examples, they're not the same. They didn't teach the same thing. They didn't say the same thing. So as you look at those three, quote, teachers, unquote, Islam does talk about love, but it's, it's a, if you look at the total Holy Bible of the Christians, it's a different kind of love. Um, it's a different, I mean, and love is multifaceted, okay? So I'm not going to say it's not love, but it's a different kind of love that, that Allah uh, exhibits and, and puts towards his people. At, at, to that of the Judeo-Christian God. So that's the God of, of uh, Israel and Christianity. Uh, they're both um, what you would call um, monotheistic religions or belief systems. They believe there is one God. So it gets complicated after that, really. I mean, even there's some debate between Orthodox Jewish scholars and Orthodox Christian scholars about the nature of God. Um, what both cultures believe uh, is that the, as you uh, boil down the the scriptures, so for the for the Hebrew for the Jew, for the Is Israelite, the Jew, um, the Old Testament Bible the Old Testament scriptures portray the character of God and in in that respect, the essence of who God is. So for Christians, it's the same thing, except that they have these, these New Testament scriptures which come at the time Christ was born and after he died um, and was resurrected, which is the Christian belief. Um, so... Their whole concept of God and the love of God is is different than that of Islam. And again, for Buddha, uh, Buddha's representation or presentation of love is has to do with 
with uh, some of the purer forms of love, except that there is no room for attachment. So, in that there is no attachment, that you you are almost forced. Well, Buddha himself left his family. He abandoned his his child. His child grew up fatherless because of of Siddhartha's. Uh, push or drive to not be attached. So this is this is not love. Like you can say it's loving. It's loving for to Buddha for his own beliefs, his own. But it wasn't a loving act to forsake your family and your child, and let your son grow up without his father because his father is on a quest to not be attached. He was attached. He was attached to not being attached. So I mean, um, that's that's my opinion. Uh, so let's look at what, 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 you know, Jesus taught. Jesus didn't, he never said he was a teacher. He didn't come saying he was a teacher. So if you believe that Jesus was anything, I've said this before, you either believe he's the son of God or a lunatic. Okay. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's God. He's who he said he was. Uh, so when people portray Jesus as a teacher teaching love that's that's not he was he was God showing love he was God showing grace so I mean there is this this scripture like when when I tell people about uh, the Bible and they ask where they should start reading I usually say read the gospel of John first and the very first part of gospel of John the very first chapter um <clears throat> This is one of my favorites. I'm going to read it. Um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was nothing made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. Or another translation is, does not comprehend it. Uh, it's the same word, and it's translated both ways, uh, comprehend or understand or overcome or overtake, uh, and both work. And that's one of the beauties of, of this John, is he writes very, that seems maybe a little convoluted, but if you actually read it, it's not convoluted. Uh, the word, it's logos, it's, that's a Greek concept of, of uh, uh, wisdom, um, our, our logic comes from that uh, reality, truth, logos, the word, the truth. It's it's what is, right? And so Jesus comes. It says the word was God. He comes as God. So he came into the world as God. Later on in that same scripture, you know, it talks about. Um, uh, there's a whole, all of it, all of that first part is good. I just don't want to read it all right now. <laughs> there's a point I want to get in. That's about truth, okay? Because that's what I started here, talking about truth. And uh, in 14, it says, oh, I missed if I passed a, a good chunk of chapters or uh, verses there. But in chapter 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the Son of the Father. So the Father is God. He's full of grace and truth. And John, that is, I passed that part, but that's John the Baptist. He was just a, a man. He happened to be Jesus' uh, cousin. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, and John bore witness about him and cried out and said, This is the one of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, uh, because he was before me. And from the, his fullness, that's 
the Son of Man, the Word, that's Jesus. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses, so the law is the Old Testament. Uh, that's the stuff that was given so that we could see the character of God. I talked about that before, too. The law is more of a revealing of the character of God than it is a uh, thou shalt do or not do this. Like, it's not a don't do this. It's a this is who I am, and when you do this, you offend me. You hurt yourself because you weren't made for that, right? So it's it's actually a learning, a truth. It's it's a, the reality of it. Not It's not as blunt as those who don't believe it or they say it would would make it but it is blunt because it's unchanging right it's unchanging god is unchanging he was from the beginning and he is um anyway so uh, grace and truth came through jesus christ and no one has ever seen god the only god who is the father at the father's side but he has made him known so it's saying that jesus was made known as the son of god which means he is god uh that gets complicated maybe but uh, the thing that i want to talk about is this the, the truth part so what is truth i mean there's there's a couple of ways of uh describing what truth is in the world we live in today there's a lot of talk about my truth um, your truth my truth so there's a lot of different I'm going to call them interpretations of what truth is, and and uh, you know, culture changes the word, like changes the word love. This changes to just a ton of different words, and it just becomes difficult. Fine, culture changes words. That that's a natural occurrence. It's when the changed words are forced on you that it's not a natural occurrence. It's when it does. It doesn't happen organically. It happens. Uh, politically and forcefully right so anyway the the definition of truth that i'm thinking about i think is called the correspondence theory of truth and that is this that that which is true or which is in accordance with fact or reality that is truth so that that exists in accordance with fact or reality is truth so um to understand uh, that you, you you come back to this thing like nobody has seen God, right? We we all can attest to that. Nobody has seen God. That God is invisible. Now, there's different belief systems that would say God is in everything. So pantheism. Most people would say they'd never seen God, and that's part of the reasoning they use for not believing in God. Um, it's it's a false understanding. Uh, there was a word I'm looking for. I can't find it right now. Sometimes that happens when I'm talking to the camera. The fact that God is invisible or has been invisible um, can't be lost on us. Reality, in that statement, reality is invisible because God is reality. This God of the Old Testament, this God of Christianity, is has been invisible and no one could look upon him. Uh, and that's where sin comes in. We are not in a position where we can look upon him because it would kill us. It would destroy us. He's pure light, pure light. Like in the, it says that in that little scripture that he is light and light, and the light was was life. The life was the light of men, and men didn't comprehend it. These like what is light? Light is it's 
pureness and power and holiness and like so darkness can't overcome light darkness is the absence of light so if there is light it will vanquish darkness so this is this is now this makes sense i mean in reality if i light a match in a dark room it's not dark anymore but in reality spiritually and in the mind of the creator and the reality of the creator that's the truth i'm talking about the reality is not what we see and feel and touch it's not bound by time real existence lives outside of this dimension outside of multi-dimensions it lives outside of dimensionality it is uh something other than okay now this is all like i said last time it's heady or lofty stuff but it's a it's a these are the philosophical like that's where that word logos came from from the greeks trying to find truth what is reality is there a god what is god who is god socrates that's where socrates his perception of God was different than the historical uh, Greek perceptions of God or many gods. Uh, he believed in one God, or he was moving in that way. <clears throat> so that's a lot of the stuff we believe in. Philosophical terms in the West now come from Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. When Jesus came and became flesh, when he took on the flesh, this was this was a way for a number of things to happen, but one of those things was for man, for humanity, to see God. Because he never stopped being God. He became God in the flesh, uh, which was a miracle. Like, but God made flesh, he could put himself in flesh, and then he could die in the flesh. Um, and then he could raise himself from the dead in the flesh. It's like, it's so... It makes so much sense. Like, it sounds simple and, you know, unbelievable, but it makes so much sense to me. People that don't buy into what the teacher actually taught will deceive themselves. It makes them feel better. It makes them... You know, we live in this world, and I've said it before, we live in this world where we have a supermarket of ideas. Um, and it's like you walk down the aisle and you pick and choose what you want. Well, that's not truth, right? That's... Truth is true. Truth is what is real. What is, what is reality? That's truth. So as I walk down an aisle and go, well, I like this. It makes me feel good. I like this thought that all these teachers taught the same thing. They didn't. Look for, I mean, it doesn't take but a few minutes to look at what these teachers taught and see that they did not teach the same things. They, there was some overlap. There are universal truths. There are certain things that are are true and cannot be disputed. And those things were possibly taught by the teachers, the great teachers. And But none of them ever said they were God until Jesus came along. I mean, so believe what you want to believe. That's the fact. Anyway, as you go, as we're going into a new year, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, you know, I'm still learning. I, I mentioned it last time about sanctification. That's another thing. Is like this whole process, like that's a big word. The, the whole process is about us becoming more like Christ. It's become us becoming more like God. He came as an example. So in that way, he is a teacher, and he did teach, but that wasn't his 
that wasn't who he was. It wasn't what he was. He was God. He was here to make us free. And that was grace. And in that, in that little passage I read, it, that's what it said. Grace upon grace. Grace and truth. This is why he came. For grace and truth. The, the grace is that we are able to get out of our sin. Even though we still do it. Because of what he did. We're able to come out of sin. And because we're out of sin, we're we're covered by the the blood of Christ. And these things sound morbid to some people, but what it is is it goes all the way back to the animal sacrifice. The very first one takes place in Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned. And they, an animal was killed to give them clothing. So it was to hide their nakedness, to hide their sin, to hide their what they were embarrassed about in themselves. It was their pride, to hide their pride, to cover their pride. It required death. So that, I mean, all the way through, it's shown over and over and over that the blood of goats and sheep and lambs and cow, that's never going to, never going to sufficiently, it cannot clean what's dirty. It cannot cover the sin, what, what separates us from God. And if in your life, if you sinned once, once, one little lie, Right? Like this story I just told. Put it, you're in a hard position. What's right? What's the right thing to do? Right? Um, one little lie. And that's a sin. But telling the truth, I hurt her. Is that a sin? Uh, you know, I... Yeah. Yeah. So we, we don't have the capacity to fully grasp it. So that is what I'm viewing sanctification as. This process of becoming more and more like God. The Creator God the only God, the true God, the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we have the capacity to do that and to grow, to grow from there and learn and be hurt and be wounded and fall down and get back up and be comforted and go and be alone and be sad and uh, to lose loved ones and to lose things that are valuable to you, people, Love, but we are sustained, we are undergirded by the creator of the universe. And that is great joy. And that great joy, that is grace. That's the grace that we are given to live in this life. Like in Romans, it says that the whole, all of creation groans. All of creation groans, Romans 8. And you look, I mean, that's one of the big things that humanity is looking at. Uh, Creation groans, <clears throat> the earth groans, individuals groan, the animals groan. We all groan that the Lord of creation would return and put things right. I do what I can to prolong that fire, because it will be fire. Uh, it's a purification that's going to take place. That's kind of where I'm at. I don't know what song I'm going to do. Um... A lot of love going out to you people as we start a new year, and who knows what's going to happen. Uh, we'll stand up and fight for freedom. We'll stand up and fight fight for liberty. We'll do what we can to to maintain those God given rights uh, as as an individual, as a human. Anyway, uh, peace, love. Have a great new year, and uh, catch you next year. Trouble.
First time you take a drink, it makes you spit and sputter, shiver and shudder, mumble and mutter. The next one tastes so sweet, it makes you want another. And now you're drinking all. Find you if you're looking for trouble. Trouble will find you. You sure don't have to look too far. The first time you shade the truth, you want to run and hide. Your throat gets dry. It's tight, and then you start to thinking maybe no one knows you lie, and now you're shady all the time. If you're looking for trouble, trouble will find you. Trouble will find you. Dumb and blind you if you're looking for trouble. 